Welcome to Real Herbalism Radio, show 236, recorded at Big Dog Studios in Eugene, Oregon. Today's show is made possible by, you know what I hate? I hate going and clicking on the search engine and entering terms in and finding all these big companies that own all the search terms. Fact is, you can get it there, you can get your company there in a different way. Mudpod Design can help you out. See them for SEO services at mudpoddesign.com. The path of plants takes some of us across the globe, challenging us to open up to new cultures, new medicines, and often the parts of ourselves that yearn for expression. Today we're talking with Leslie Korn, doctor of integrated medicine for mental health, herbalist, and author of Natural Woman, Herbal Remedies for Radiant Health at Every Age and Stage of Life, about how challenge, trauma, and the plants can lead us to our best lived lives. Now here are your hosts. I'm Candace Hunter. And I'm Patrick Hunter. And, and welcome, welcome to, to Real Herbalism Radio. Hi, Leslie. How are you? I'm great. How are you guys? Oh, wonderful. I am so happy to be able to talk to you today. It's been, I am too. It's been really some strange times. And I tell you, reading Natural Woman was something that kind of helped me get my feet on the ground a little bit again. There are a few herbs and, and practices in there that I had... I don't want to say I forgot, but honestly, I forgot. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, I I think Candace, you're right. I think we're all here to help each other remember what we know and to learn a few new things too to help us stay grounded during these crazy times. You're absolutely right. Yeah, and you have faced a lot of interesting crazy times i mean did you when you were eight years old did you say oh you know one day i'm going to travel to mexico i'm going to start a school i'm going to argue with priests about women's reproductive rights i'm going to go to harvard i mean good lord i did i did somehow it it was at nine years old it came to me wow I don't know what it was. I think it, I must have come in with this uh, path yeah. uh, that I was meant to align myself with. And one of the things I tell all of my mentees, because I do a lot of career coaching, is you better follow that inner voice because it'll never steer you wrong. And I really just figured it out by practicing it, not by thinking it through. It just all happened in so many better ways than I could have even planned for. And that's, I mean, that's just, it's absolutely beautiful and it's inspirational to be honest. I mean, it really is. So I, I was looking at the preface of the book or reading and, and, and what struck me is your journey seemed to start like when I was two years old and you were going to Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> so yes we could probably remember the the hit songs that were on the radio then too right <laughs> well possibly you know in 19 let's see i did i i hightailed it out of boston in 1972 you know i was very fortunate to grow up in the 60s so it was the burgeoning feminist movement, the burgeoning take our bodies back movement and control our own health. It was certainly the burgeoning uh, summer of love oh, yeah. and the hippie movement. And almost overnight, I went from wearing my hair straight, which I ironed every morning oh, and uh, a stick pin holding my 
prim and proper collars together to letting it all hang out. Um, and from there, I launched really uh, into the jungle and uh, never looked back. I can't, I mean, I can't really imagine that because I've been pretty much in the city my whole life. I mean, you know, we take excursions going hiking and stuff, but I haven't actually like really left. And there's... Well, you have an invitation. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> well, I think what I'm noticing, uh, what I've been noticing as a result of the, the pandemic and many people sheltering at home and the changes is that we've all been facing is that that prim and proper that you talked about has remanifested itself in our lives through office culture and career dri driven, you know, lifestyles, parenting the way that, you know, we have been for the past 20 years, which often includes a juggle of two parents working and daycare and then after school activities. And it's this really honestly buckled down lifestyle. And I think the pandemic is unbuckling an awful lot. I agree with you. Um, I, I think that even though we cannot discount the, the terror and oh, the yeah. anxiety and the stress of the unknown, balancing that are some of the very interesting emerging changes. For example, I'm struck by the return of many animals and the return of plants and the return of nature. In, in many ways, the earth seems to be reclaiming herself uh, in spite of its most uh, challenging uh, two-footed member. Uh, <laughs> and, and, and I think you're right. I think that our rhythms and our uh, to-do lists are definitely going to be continuing uh, a shakeup and a reimagining of what's important and what we can just let go by the wayside. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I love that. And I, I, I guess for myself, I'm looking to people like you who have been, you've done it. I mean, you, you left the city, you went to Mexico and you did things that were unimaginable by, you know, many of your, many of the people that you grew up with, they, they wouldn't even, even imagine arguing with the priest about whether or not you can keep teaching the things you're teaching to the women of the village, you know, that that's so groundbreaking. And we're kind of breaking ground again, just in a really different way. And we've been thrust into it because I think mother earth is saying, no, it's, it's time. It's time. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. One of the opportunities I had, I stayed, I lived in Mexico for 10 years before I returned, as I <laughs> kind of joke, to the jungle of Boston, where I'm from. And one of the um, opportunities that evolved in my work was to bring the best qualities of healthcare to especially the women, but also the men and the children in the village where I started a health center, the things that made most sense that were appropriate and helpful and advanced their health. But likewise, I had the opportunity to bring the wisdom of nature and the wisdom of herbal medicine that I learned in the jungle back mm -hmm. to 
what we think of as conventional medical setting. Um, one of the first things I did after those 10 years, I entered a master's of public health program. And um, I was very interested in what I had learned about the use of papaya. And as you know, papaya is a wonderful fruit. It's uh, just a delicious, easily digested fruit. The way it's used in the jungle, and it's endemic to Mexico, so it's indigenous, it's from Mexico, and it's one of the many herbal and fruit gifts that Mexico's given the world, is that I observed men after a Sunday slaughter of a cow uh, scrape the um, the not only the leaves but the skin off of the papaya and allow the oozy papain, the proteolytic enzyme from the fruit, to emerge. And then they laid that on the freshly slaughtered beef to tenderize it. And um, we've got other uses, papaya now, you know, with the dengue epidemics, particularly the tropical world experiences, the use of papaya leaves have been found to suppress dengue virus. So when I returned to Boston and did my studies in public health, I was able to study the biomedical science behind papain and papaya. So for me, what's really uh, energized my work and my career has been learning indigenous science, which I think is very far ahead in terms of herbal medicine and and wisdom and applied knowledge, and then understand what biomedical science knows about it and, and explains it. So we get the best of all worlds as we bring together approaches to helping people heal. And I love that you call the indigenous indigenous knowledge um science because it it really is i mean it's people used the plants in certain ways they they came up with a hypothesis which was usually inspired by something whatever that may have been then they test it out and either it works or it doesn't and if it does they keep it and they keep using it through the centuries it's so true you know that's so true that's science. science means to know yes. really and i think I think we, in in our modern lives, at least in urban settings in the United States, we tend to privilege biomedical science without realizing, particularly in the realm of medicine, that much of our understanding of, of medicine and the medicines that we have really come out of herbal medicine that pointed the way. Yeah. Uh, to these remedies that that worked. Otherwise, as you said, they would have been discarded. Yeah. And the two, the, the remedies and the way that herbalists have been practicing has been increasingly drawing upon medical science to create a language of, of understanding so that people can understand what's happening and why. And you know, in a sense, to justify the use of this herb for this or that herb for that. And I think that's the beginning of medical science beginning to return to its roots and realize or recognize, wake up to the fact that it is another branch of indigenous knowledge to Mother Earth. Absolutely. I think one of our major principles in herbal medicine is the use of the whole plant. Yeah. And that Mother Nature has given us a variety of substances in a plant. Maybe one is most active, 
another part of the plant balances out that action to avoid side effects. And together, nature has given us a complete product, just like nature's given us sugar cane, not refined sugar. And nature has given us the coca leaf, not cocaine. Right. (laughs) And and I think while there, there are definitely advances that biomedical science gives us, um, we tread on peril lest we forget the principles of nature and the principles of plant science as we're using remedies. Because I think I always like to say that uh, there's nothing wrong with allopathy, but it should be used like salt you know, just a little sprinkle, right? (laughs) Yeah, you know, I I feel like one of the things that's being highlighted through the pandemic is that in many areas of the world, we don't have good nutrition, we aren't using the whole plants in a way that's really healthy. And that isn't necessarily what we like to refer to as the third world. It's often in industrialized nations where we're seeing people succumbing to illness and and getting it really, you know, getting, being very hit hard by it, in part because they haven't had good nutritional health, they haven't been eating whole plants, they haven't been incorporating the herbal medicines into their daily lives, as the indigenous people would have taught us if we had been listening. Mm-hmm. So true, so true, because, uh, for example, we see the people most at risk are those who have chronic illness. Yes. And those chronic illnesses, as you point out, are so linked to nutrition and the extraction and the condensing of these um, foods that we were never meant to eat, such as these uh, high fructose corn syrups or, um, you know, flavored drinks or an excess of caffeine. I mean, look at our beautiful tea, our green tea. Mm -hmm. Mother Nature gives us a little caffeine in tea, but also gives us a little theanine, the amino acid that relaxes us. So we get a little bit of a gentle energy and there's so much wisdom in that balance. And I think time will tell as we navigate this virus who survives and who doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it is changing the face of our world radically. Obviously, it's changing humanity, but I love to see, like you said, the plants are beginning to return. You know, the air is clearing. I can say that in our own neighborhood, we're hearing way more frogs this year than normal. You know, Mm -hmm. I live in a little city, you know, but I have some trees where the tree frogs have lived. We have a little pond that we built for our ducks and we've had frogs for the past couple of years. But this year, I swear it's the war of the frogs trying to gather as many women (laughs) as possible. It's Mm -hmm. they're loud. (laughs) <laughs> hmm I know. They're, they're a wonderful sound. They're like another planetary sound. <laughs> they are. Yes. They have made me very happy this year. One of the things that I, Patrick and I, we decided to try a few of the books from Nat, or a few of the recipes from Natural Woman. I really loved your spice chapter. I loved the fact that you used many different spices that are so common to many of us. Many of us Urbanites are used to seeing things like cayenne or, you know, chocolate, 
cinnamon. These are comfortable things. And I loved that the way that you wrote it, you gave a lot of wonderful language for the natural woman, for those of us moms, wives, girlfriends, you know, whatever, to have to use to educate the rest of our family and talk a little bit as we're making whatever it is we're making, you know, with our family about what the spices are doing. I'm so glad you enjoyed it. It was one of my favorite chapters. And I think it's especially helpful for some people who feel like, where do I get started? And how do I use these uh, herbs and spices. And I love to support people to just incorporate the use of these medicines and these aromas in daily life so that it doesn't feel like there's anything we have to really go out of our way to do as much as just have fun with exploring smell and texture and the tingling on our tongues that let's say cayenne brings. Um, as you know, I'm a big fan of chocolate, and oh, yeah. not everyone has yet tried mixing cayenne and chocolate. And so I developed this really a, a, a modern take on the chocolate almond joys, which are best avoided. <laughs> but just think about the healthiest foods in the world, chocolate, almonds, coconut, and cayenne pepper. You don't get more medicinal than that. And it evolved because so many of my patients say, oh, please don't make me stop eating sugar. I love sweets and my children (laughs) love sweets. And I go, well, let's find some good alternatives that will be really satisfying for you. And so they even get into the kitchen with their kids to make these recipes. And, And I think that's really what we're after is joy and self healing. Uh, for the whole family. Oh, I love it. And I mean, I I made for myself. I didn't make for my family. I made your hot cayenne cocoa. Oh, my word. That was so... That was like a warm hug. It was wonderful. (laughs) I loved it. And it was... Uh That's interesting. That didn't get shared. (laughs) Yeah, no, that didn't get shared. (laughs) (laughs) Right. What did get shared in our family was the mole recipe. There was, um, was that my 40th birthday? Yeah, I think so. It was my 40th birthday. I asked my husband to make mole for me. And so he found a recipe, or I might have found the recipe in a cookbook. I don't remember, probably Rick Bayless, but I really don't remember. And it took how many hours? 13 hours. It was so long and drawn out. It was a labor of true love. I mean, it really was. One o'clock in the morning, I was making mole. Yeah. Oh, and you're yeah. never going to forget your 40th birthday. Right. And he said he would never make mole again. That was it. I'm buying it. <laughs> so I am now 49 years old. I have just turned. And I saw your recipe for mole and I said, honey, guess what? Nine years have passed. You, you can't use the 40-year-old card anymore. I'm almost 50. You can't disappoint me. <laughs> it only took him nine years to recover from that mole. That's right. not too bad. It's not too bad. There's still stains on our ceiling from that original mole. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, but I did enjoy your recipe. I was able about two hours I think yeah. all in. Oh, good. Yes, um, it was fun. We he he went out and we toasted the the um, he did the toasting of the chilies, 
And then we broke them up together and put them into the water together. And we talked a little bit about the different types of chilies because I've been doing, I've been doing a variety of different salsas and things through the years. So I kind of knew, I didn't necessarily know a ton about them, but I knew at least the differences between what they were. Mm -hmm. And so we talked a little bit about that. And then we did that with the intention of coming back in a couple of hours. And it actually took us more like a day. So they soaked for a long time. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah, they did. But but that water was going to be used. We have enough of the um, chili water, if you will, to use for another recipe that Candice already has an idea for. Um, I really enjoyed the, um, the, the simplicity of the recipe. And uh, also, uh, I was going to tell you that because we live in the Pacific North, Northwest and I was out of almonds, uh, we went and we used hazelnuts instead. And mm-hmm. uh, instead of raisins, uh, I did dried blueberries because that's what we had on hand. Because uh, you found the raisins after you'd already had the yeah. blueberries. <laughs> <laughs> that's a brilliant variation. I love that. And it really points out the, the fact that mole, like many aspects of cooking and herbs and spices, is so forgiving that you can bring your own creativity to it based on what you have. So you made a Pacific Northwest mole. I love that. I did. It was good. And, you know, the recipe is pretty simple. It's pretty easy to do. But the flavor is not simple. It's complex and layered. Um, after, yes. after I think heating that's it. the other thing I tried to do with the book is we have complex lives and we don't necessarily have 14 hours or 19 hours to stir the pot. <laughs> um, and so we need that kind of rich flavor that's uplifting and enjoyable, but a little faster than maybe our ancestors spent. Right. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. Even amidst coronavirus pandemic and shelter at home, I have, it's not just me. I've been talking to a lot of people who are like, wow, I'm, I'm as busy as ever, if not more so, Mm -hmm. you know, life hasn't really slowed down. I mean, it has in some areas, but it hasn't in others. One of my favorite sections of the practicalherbalist.com is the witchy section. I'll admit it. I love the myth and magic. I love the recipes for magical teas and brews and potions. I love the incense making. All of that stuff just is so much fun and helps me deepen my relationship with the plants. If you'd like to learn more about the witchy side of life, check out thepracticalherbalist.com. Well, you know, they say um, you take an, make an opportunity of all your crises, and that's what we've been doing here Um you know, we've changed our business model for one of our businesses. We've we've uh, started the, the um, herbs in action, herbal herbal summits. We've done all these things. So even though a lot of people are um, kind of reducing or shrinking, Candace and I always do opposite everybody. So we expanded. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think in some ways the the isolation makes us value connection even more. And I think we're going to see so much evolving to facilitate more connection, deeper connection. Uh, And and I think that's the same with the business model, too. Yeah. And I think you're right. And I think that it's um, it's causing us, I think, at least for me, causing me at least to be more thoughtful about the connections that I'm making 
I mean, even something as simple as like I made the cinnamon tea also from your your book. And um, it's incredibly simple, but it also asks you to just be present, just be Mm -hmm. right there with that simplicity and recognize that the chain, you know, I mean, as I'm drinking it, I'm thinking about the tree and the place that cinnamon grew and, you know. Something yes. as simple as a single stick of cinnamon can be so complex. Yes, and and just think about that beautiful cinnamon, the texture of it, and the aroma is so enriching of the the whole air where you cook it. Yeah. And then it's so good for blood sugar. Yeah. Um, it's so good for digestion. It's such a simple tea and yet has such far-reaching benefits. Yeah, and in your book you mentioned that it you know makes the house feel warm and all that. And I I did it three days in a row, and the scent lingered in our home all day, and it was just it was wonderful. Mm. I'm so glad that you've been enjoying the recipes in the book. It really warms my heart. Yeah, there was one that I wanted to ask you about, and the backstory on this is that. When I was a kid, my mom had the idea that it would be great to do an herb garden. She knew nothing about herbs, but she read a book and plotted out this garden, and then she started adding herbs. And in the process of doing that, she talked to a relative, I don't know who, to be honest, who then told her that my father, it was on my father's side, and that our, you know, our family name came from the rue plant. And oh, at that time in the Midwest, she was unable to find the rue plant, and we didn't really know much about it. And then it just sort of got dropped. And I flirted with the rue plant off and on through the years, and I have some growing. And every time I run into it, all I read, because that's really where I keep finding is I can find, I don't find people who've used it, I find it in books. And I read that it's, you know, dangerous to use, don't take internally. You know, I always have these like scared things that I read about it. But in your book, you recommend or not, I don't want to say recommend, but you suggest that it can be taken internally. And I wanted to ask you about that because I'm very curious. Yes. Well, you know, first of all, I was introduced to rue, which I think is now found all over the world, but does really loves warm weather. Yeah. Um, it, when I was in Mexico, and one of the things that the women of the village taught me is they all had rue growing outside in their garden. Now, it may be that, Candace, where you heard that it was dangerous to take internally is because it is an abortifacient. And so it is recommended that women who are either trying to get pregnant or maybe pregnant not use it because it's actually used as a traditional remedy, something though I would never, ever recommend for abortion. And so that may be where its history as a dangerous herb comes from. But traditionally, among traditional medicine practitioners, it's often used for headache. And you may have seen in the book, I incorporate it with coffee as a traditional Ethiopian beverage. And so you mix coffee and add some rue. And of course, you know the the concept of rue the day. And so 
I think like so many herbs, just knowing the history of them, knowing the traditional use of them, and even researching the science of it can really allay any concerns we have. But how fascinating that this is a story in your family about Rue. That's that's makes it a lot of fun. Oh yeah, and I I really appreciate you sharing that traditional knowledge because I think that a lot of the books that I've read are by people who have who are of European heritage, shall we say? You know, they come from the same place I come from. You know, mm-hmm. we we went to the universities and all of this stuff, and and there's a bias against certain types of medicines, like you know anything that would be, you know, a board a board. I always say the word wrong, abortifacient. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. there's there's a strong bias. Like you don't even talk about that. It's it's like this hidden knowledge. And not all of those plants, they, they are, you know, don't use them, obviously, if you don't want to, you know, if you're pregnant or trying to get pregnant, all of that. But for the rest of us, that doesn't mean they're bad medicine, but they get, because of that one action that they may or may not have, they get pushed aside and then the, the information's lost. Right. And my family is, you know, very much from, you know, Central Europe you know, we're of Polish descent or that, that side of the family is very, you know, of Polish descent. And I'm sure the roots of our family go back well beyond Christianity and are rooted right in that area. And that probably, that would have been a piece of indigenous knowledge that's just been lost, but it was kept in our family's name. Absolutely. And I think those are the little nuggets that keep us connected to our ancestral wisdom we're we're old neighbors, Candace, because my grandmother's from Romania, right ah, next door. Yeah, and um, I was very lucky to study with her and learn from her, even though she came over to this country when she was very very young. She told stories that her grandmothers told her about the use of herbal medicine in the Transylvanian mountains and the use of cupping uh, practices that we do in Chinese medicine and in um, massage therapy. And I think one of the challenges is sometimes we are so myopic and rooted, no pun intended, (laughs) in in our time that we don't realize that people traveled. People traveled thousands of miles overland and brought rituals and herbs and spices. And it goes so much further back than just 500 years ago when Mexico gave the world the pepper <laughs> right. um, and, and or the tomato. I mean, let's remember yeah. uh, there was no pasta sauce in Italy before Mexico brought uh, <laughs> tomatoes <Right>. to Italy. <laughs> But when you think about it, people were getting in those canoes and yeah. they were crossing currents that uh, exchanged much the way we do. These Our ancestors were not that different. Yeah. Yeah, we really, we were a worldwide culture in so many more ways than we currently want to acknowledge 2,000 years ago, you know. Yes, yes, uh-huh. 
Well, I want to thank you so much for being with us today. Um, I loved Natural Woman. I, it was a gift to be able to read that. Thank you. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for inviting me to be with you. And how can people get a hold of you? I have a website, uh, Dr. Leslie Korn. My last name is spelled K-O-R-N, DrLeslieKorn.com. And there's a way to reach me via email. And uh, on the website, I've got blogs. I, I have some sections of this book available for free download and lots of recipes. And, and then for people that may be interested in consultations or even study, um, there's a lot of information on there. So I, I always love hearing from people. So feel free to reach out. Do you prefer people to buy the book directly from you or from another avenue? It really doesn't matter to me. I, I love to support my wonderful publisher, Shambhala Books. And I think you may have read in the preface yep. uh, the the early experience I had where on my trek to Mexico for the first time, I ended up in the Shambhala Bookstore at the time uh, in Berkeley. And they, they do such beautiful designs. And of course, they're devoted to herbal medicine and spirituality and all of the deeper, more, more profound aspects of our lives. And I thought, oh, I would love it if they would publish a book of mine someday. <laughs> you know, I was an aspiring 20-year-old. And, right. uh, and sure enough, 40 40 plus years later, Shambhala <laughs> found me. And so, you know, Candace, when you talk about uh, the path that we travel, there could be no surer um, confirmation of following a path that we create for ourselves than that experience. So people... <laughs> You know, you can buy on on the uh, Amazon, of course, and the bookstores, but I love when people support this wonderful publisher called Shambhala Books. Can you can you purchase this right there at their website? Yes. Okay. Yes, you we'll can. Sure. You can certainly uh, purchase it from my link. It'll link you right to Shambhala, or you can go directly to Shambhala, and they'll ship it right off to you. There you go. We will make sure that we put that link in the show notes then. Oh, thank you. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah. as always, put, put an herb, herb on it. it. The statements made about herbs and products on this podcast have not been evaluated by the United States Food and Drug Administration, FDA, and are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. All information provided on this podcast or any affiliated websites is for informational purposes only and is not intended as a substitute for advice from your physician or other healthcare professional. You should not use the information on this podcast and its affiliated websites for a diagnosis or treatment of any health problem. Always consult with a healthcare professional before starting any new vitamins, supplements, diet, or exercise program before taking any medication, or if you have or suspect you might have a health problem. Any testimonials, questions, or case studies are based on individual results and do not constitute a guarantee that you will achieve the same results.